Uh, all right, so welcome back to another episode of The Russians. Hello. Um, uh, we, we kind of have a, a pretty important show for you today and, and a very cool guest. Um, today we're Who's talking to... a long-time to, listener, I guess. Long-time right? listener, a friend of the show, uh, we think we could say. You know, uh, uh, Masha Sarasky, um, she's a friend of the show, and, and she's been going through hell the last couple of weeks um, trying to get her aunt... Uh, out of Ukraine and, and to America in the midst of this of this war that Russia launched uh, a month ago or a little bit more than a month ago. And, uh, you know, we're having her on to just to tell the story because I think it's an incredible story. It's a horrible story. But also to get a sense of what's, what the, that process looks mm-hmm. like. You know, you're hearing a lot about refugees uh, fleeing Ukraine and, and getting resettled in Europe and also in America. But... Um, well, in America, with way more problems. So. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. despite all the sort of the pro-Ukrainian uh, sentiment and flag waving that you see <laughs> here uh, being done by politicians in America, um, I think uh, Masha is going to give you a sense of just how little America is doing to to help Ukrainian refugees mm-hmm. uh, displaced by this war to kind of to to enter America. So, thanks for talking talking to us. I know you've been you've had a you know hellish couple of days because you've been essentially <laughs> stuck on the border with Tijuana. Um, so thank you. Yeah, thank yeah. you. And could you, I guess, tell us where, where you're right now? I'm, uh, I'm with a friend in Riverside, uh, staying in her, her family's home. But I have to say, it's been a hellish, uh, let's see, couple of weeks, like almost a month, because I left, um, I live in New York, and I left March 12th or 13th to fly to Warsaw to meet my aunt, who made the just like an absolutely horrific voyage from Kharkov uh, to Poland. She crossed the border by herself. She's elderly, 69 years old. She had nothing but a flip phone. Mm -hmm. So, um, and that's a whole story unto itself. After her voyage, which took three and a half days, she uh, caught pneumonia. So as soon as I arrived to Warsaw, I was just taking care of her and buying her like essentials and, you know, resting with her. Um. <laughs> um, let me ask you this, just just to be, start with the beginning. So, what did your what did your aunt go through? Like, so when she fled, I mean, did she flee? Was her, um, you know, because I know there's, I mean, especially I don't know when, when she fled. So this is a month, month ago. So it was in the early days of yeah. the war, right? Yeah. I mean, there were some bombings that were happening on the periphery of Kharkov. I mean, there mm-hmm. were some, you know, there were some missile strikes even on the yeah, very, the very center. Was she? What was she? What, like, why did she de- decide to run, or why did she decide to flee? Um, yeah. So. The conditions in Kharkov, I mean, it, it, the bombardment started kind of immediately, but at first it was like a bit distant from her, and then it just became progressively worse. We would call her every single day to check in on her, and, she, you know, once it got to a point where she said to us, the conversations became like, I don't know if I'm going to live. And uh, because she would just be uh, cowered, like, between her like a clothing closet and her bed on the floor afraid to get up or she didn't leave her apartment at all but the uh, bombing was so close that uh, it's like everything would rattle is what she described and um, you know so at a certain point we would console her and say okay uh, if humanitarian corridors open up be prepared, have a bag with like a small bag with all of your essentials, your documents. Um, and, you know, we would talk to her and we would 
be like, as soon as a humanitarian corridor opens up, we'll be in communication. And then, you know, uh, propaganda aside, there was a moment when Russia announced humanitarian corridors. They did say it was humanitarian corridors to enter Russia, but we understood at that moment that regardless of whether they're to Russia or to the West, to Lviv and Poland, that this would be the time when the bombing would probably pause. Uh, although we still knew that was a risk because mm-hmm. of all the propaganda coming from everywhere, from all sides. You know, there's a risk. We don't mm-hmm. know what's true, what's not. Um, yes. But at the moment when we told her, okay, a corridor opened up, do you want to leave? She had no hesitation. And this is a person who literally grew up in Kharkov her entire life, born and raised there, lives in the home that her parents lived in, has never left Kharkov, would have never left Kharkov. So within 40 minutes, she packed everything into her bag, washed her hair, and was out of the home that she's lived in her entire life. So we understood, okay, if a 69-year-old woman who doesn't have the best health is making these steps to leave, that means it's serious. Um, and then the voyage, uh, she stepped outside her building. It, it wasn't, her building wasn't damaged. It was just the bombing was increasingly getting closer and closer to her. Um, she found a taxi. Uh, there are volunteers. There were volunteers helping at the time, but she just found the taxi. She shared with us, you know, uh, that she had a couple of U.S. dollars with her that she had saved that, you know, our family had sent to her throughout the years and she'd never spent a penny of it. Um, so she had some money able to pay a cab who took her to the train. Uh, the train voyage was in total 24 hours from Kharkov to Lvov. She described that it was packed to the brim. There was nowhere to sit. She was sitting on like a tabletop, like those small tabletops they have for uh, people sitting on the trains. Uh, she said, literally, you couldn't even like w- walk within the train. Like people were on the floor. She described like a big dog in the fl- on the floor. Um And all of this, as I'm not sure if I said this already, all of this, she has like an old flip phone. She doesn't have a smartphone. So this entire voyage, we're just like, we don't know if she has service. We also don't want her battery to die. So it was very broken communication. I mean, my mom and I are on the other end just praying that she makes it. Um, but she made it after 24 hours to Lvov. And that was a whole other disaster because once she got to Lvov, um, her next thing was to find a bus, uh, that would take her to the Polish border. And so that was a ridiculous voyage because first she got on one bus and she described this all to us later, of course, because again, broken communication. So she gets on one bus, yes, it yes. gets, it, uh, breaks down in the middle, middle of the road. So they have to turn back around and go to Lvov. She gets on another bus. And then it gets into an into a car accident. Not a serious car accident, but it gets into a car accident. So they have to turn back around. Uh, when she turns back around, <laughs> she kind of like uh, found another. So throughout this whole voyage, all of the refugees are helping each other. She found a younger girl traveling with uh, her younger brother, who was what she described was like a special needs case. Uh, and this girl basically helped the communication between us and my aunt because she had a smartphone. 
Um, but they stayed in Lvov overnight in the cold train station. All of this, by the way, is uh, there's no heating anywhere. She also described that there were, for some reason, no bathrooms in the train station in Lvov. So basically, it was very much like like <laughs> holes in the ground situation. Um, and she's also explaining the whole time she's trying not to drink a lot because all of this traveling, there's no restrooms. So there's nowhere to go use a restroom. So uh, they wait like nine hours in the train station overnight and they do finally get on the third bus, which actually does take them across the border. As soon as they get to the border, the Polish volunteers gave them hot food, water, coffee, tea, um, and she kept going to the bus, kept going to Krakow. From Krakow, she just kept going. She wouldn't stop. This whole thing was three and a half days long. From Krakow, she got on the train. Uh, all the trains, uh, all the trains and buses in Poland are free for Ukrainian refugees right now. So she got on a train to go to Warsaw, where I have a friend of a friend, Mace. God bless him. Uh, amazing individual. He. Uh, he housed her until I could arrive to Poland. So he housed her and took care, took care of her. But yeah, so she ended up in Warsaw at like 5 a.m. Again, her phone at this point is dead. Uh, and it's just by a grace of God that he was up at 5 a.m. And they found each other. And that was it until a few days later when I showed up. So that was that voyage. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, and so because it's interesting because that border crossing, you know, we've seen all pictures, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the horrific um, and the and the trains. I mean, the horrific kind of scenes of people packing them, and of course, there's like all this discrimination happening on, you know, as the ev- evacuation was taking place, right? There were the sort of um, African students mm-hmm. and people who live in uh, in in um, <laughs> and even Indian, mm-hmm. I yeah, think, uh, yeah. you know. Um, People, yeah, that were like basically refused by by, by Poland. I mean, she never did. Did she? T- did, yeah, by Poland, and but also in Ukraine, they wouldn't be allowed to be board the board At a train. Not so, first, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that? Not first. Like they were not. Allowed they were not allowed. To yeah, they were not. They first. had to wait until everyone else was evacuated. Essentially, I, from I, I mean, I guess like everyone is just worried about their own right. About you know about getting out. That I'm sure she maybe I don't um, know if she saw any of that. Or, she um, she um she got out after the Indian refugee. It was mostly uh, Indian students, and uh, coincidentally, a lot of them were from Kharkov uh, as well, because Kharkov has a lot of big institutes, universities. Um, I, she didn't share anything like that because you know at at that point, like they actually were escorted out before she was able to get out. I'm so sorry about that noise. It's just. Um, mm-hmm. That's all right. I mean, just, 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 yeah, because you're, we're just making, making, make a note that you're, you're waiting on an important phone yeah. call, uh, <laughs> d- you know, d- about a legal situation that we'll yeah. kind of get into at the end of the phone, at the end of the phone call, so you can't miss it. So you're gonna have dings, yes. kind of uh, yes. popping up in, in and out through the episode. So yes, no worries. Yeah. So she, so yeah, she. I only. It's crazy because uh, we'll get around to this eventually. But I was just in Mexico City and I met. Uh, just uh, just completely coincidentally, like Indian tourists who started sharing with me that they knew someone from Ukraine who was studying, uh, like an Indian student studying there and how um, 
their story was that they did get across Ukraine, but once they got to the Polish border, the Polish border turned them around and forced them to go to a different border. So these, this person, whoever they were, they ended up going to Hungary and it was only in Hungary that they were allowed in. So uh, Poland is a whole other... Poland is famous. I mean, they had the, I think it was the Polish foreign minister or something, you know, going on TV and bragging about how they didn't let anyone from Syria. Crazy. Uh, or any, any like Muslim immigrants. I mean, basically just like, you know, and saying like, so what? You know, like you're going to criticize me. So what? We're proud of not letting these people in. We're proud of not letting these dark people yeah. in. It's pretty brutal. I mean, this whole, this, this whole thing, this whole thing is obviously, you know, I mean, this is what makes this war with, uh, you know, Putin's invasion just so horrific yeah. i guess you know it's just it's like it's just what it's doing is it's you know like exposing on the one hand you know all the all the worst parts of every uh, every society mm-hmm. that it touches you know i mean obviously some good things as well because people helping each other and all this stuff but yeah. but just it's empowering and, and you know kind of exposing just the worst elements of of uh, of all the societies that are involved but but um but yeah so and so you were uh, and so I guess I don't know how should we say it? so like so I mean just keeps I guess I guess we just do it chronologically yeah, right yeah. Um, in, yeah in the sense of like so you know you were you came to Warsaw and like how so how was the situation there I mean there's a huge amount of refugees I mean I know we've talked before yeah. uh, like uh, you know so I'm like a half mm-hmm. Jewish my father is a, a Ukrainian Jew he came here in 1974 with that wave I know Yasha you do a lot of work about this so. Um, you know, so for me, and then my mom is also from uh, Ukraine, from Kharkov as well, and she just married my father and joined him in 1991. Um, but so for me, the fact that I was flying to Warsaw, which my father's side of the family, they are originally from Poland. They fled Poland during World War II um, to Ukraine. So already this was just a very weird, um, like ironic for me to have been flying to Warsaw under these circumstances. Um, and Poland is a very complex, complicated place where it's like there are a lot of individuals doing incredible uh, volunteer work right now. Like I said, when my aunt ended up with uh, Mache, who I mean, I'm going to be forever grateful for him. He he even bought her a little bag of cosmetics, just know like with the understanding that like, oh, OK, a woman traveling uh, alone with nothing, you know, like might want to clean her face with some nice face wash or something, you know, or have some cream. Um, He also got her a doctor uh, to come privately to visit his home and check her out. And thank God he did because uh, the doctor discovered she had pneumonia. So she needed antibiotics and also her left foot was swollen from just all the travel um, but you know, it's the type of thing where if it weren't caught, it could have become something very serious. Um, <clears throat> so there's a lot of stories like this of individual, uh, Polish people just like trying the very best. I will say, I would say individuals in Poland are doing that better than what the Polish government is claiming to say they're doing. Um, and that's what I saw with my own eyes because basically we got, I got to Poland I took care of her for a few days, but then it became the process of like, okay, how do I get my aunt uh, back to the U.S. with me? Which I was already trying to understand that before even flying to Poland, and I was reaching out to my city councilwoman, my congressman, uh, an attorney in Brooklyn, um, 
So there was already a process underway, but I thought, okay, when I get there, perhaps I'll go to the U.S. Embassy in Warsaw and explain the situation that my aunt is all alone. She's elderly. Her only remaining uh, relatives are in the U.S. She doesn't have any more uh, relatives left in Ukraine, nowhere else in the world for that matter, just in the United States. Um, and she does not have a home to return to, right? Like Kharkov, that's it. It's under heavy bombardment. Um, uh, but once I arrived in Poland, it became obvious that this is a lot more complicated. Also, what we discovered, again, my aunt is elderly, so she tells us, I have a passport. But then when we when I arrive, and my mom joined me a few days later, when we arrive, we realize, oh, it's not an international biometric passport. It's what in Ukraine they give domestic passports, which is like uh, the equivalent of your social security card in the U.S., though. So, It's like, it's you, it's proof that you're you, but you can't travel with it internationally. Um, so yeah. that creates a whole, uh, like a lot of issues legally. Uh, the U.S. Embassy in Warsaw, they're backlogged for like a minimum 100 days. Uh, so that becomes apparent, like, that's not an option. We can't go to the U.S. Embassy. Uh, I can't wait in Warsaw for 100 days, certainly. I have a life and a job in the U.S. Um, so we end up... And the Ukrainian embassies do not help with, pa with like, foreign, uh, yeah, so, you know, traveling passports. So we did this all in, like, one day. We went, to, we went to the Ukrainian embassy. They told us, okay, for any passport stuff, you have to go to the Ukrainian consulate. We go to the consulate... And they tell us, no, they are not printing passports. Um, just it's like during wartime, that whole process is just shut down. The only way you can get a Ukrainian passport right now is you have to go back to Ukraine, which is crazy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's Insane. Wow. So wait, so they're, so they're, so they're saying there, there's like millions yeah. of refugees fleeing. Uh -huh. To, to the European Union, yep. basically, and all the Ukrainian embassies, there are consulates yeah. there, are not giving out papers. Exactly. What the hell are they doing? What's their what's their what's their function? It's then, the only you know? function they have now, actually. Should right. Have. Exactly. Exactly. And we called uh, we called other countries that would take a wow. Ukrainian without a valid passport. So Ireland is one of them. Um, we called that the embassy there and also asked if they would print a passport, and they said nope, not one uh, Ukrainian embassy is printing passports you have to go back to ukraine literally i'm like i literally this is wow. what they told us like you have to cross the border back here's the and like they were specific too they were like oh they're still printing them in like i don't know this town next to devolve or whatever and it's like we're not gonna go to a war zone to get a passport this is the bit you know that's incredible because 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 embassies have like also this you know, have like the ability to give out these to basically anyone in the world mm -hmm. to give out like a document that is essentially as good as a as a as like it's a travel mm -hmm. document. Mm -hmm. um, and I can't they're not they're not doing that to their own for their yeah. own citizens. No, no, That's they're not. I, we've spoken to many immigration attorneys, and one of the attorneys I did speak to for a consult explained to me like she's dealt with multiple war crises and refugees fleeing, and she said eventually they figure it out. Eventually they do make the uh, passports mm -hmm. but it takes time uh under these situations because they're still like getting used to the fact that 
they're under like these conditions of war. With the Ukrainian consulate in Warsaw, we still had to remain there though, because uh, for my aunt to receive any type of support, uh, healthcare, um, let's say she's retired, some pension for her pension to be transferred from Ukraine. I don't even know if this will happen, but to get anything, she still had to stand at the Ukrainian consulate and wait in order to receive a document that is basically proving she is who she says she is. It's like her Polish identification paperwork. Um, so we were, we were out there for like, uh, three days straight standing outside in the cold. It's like hundreds of refugees. There was like a tent of Polish volunteers giving food and, uh, drinks. And this is what I mean. Again, like there are Polish individuals who are like the work they're doing and you see they're genuinely horrified by what's happening and they want to help, um, the volunteers and the individuals themselves are incredible. Um, so, but still we were standing there for like three days straight. And then we have other friends from, uh, from Ukraine as well, who they come from Chernigov. So we were standing with them, uh, outside the embassy as well. Uh, I, just to explain the scene though, it's something out of like, uh, like the stone age, there's no technology used there. So imagine just like a flock of 500 people outside this consulate. And I, I don't exaggerate that number. It's like 500 people. And there are people who work for the consulate standing outside or their volunteers standing outside with papers where they list people by number. You come in person, you write down your name. And let's say we were one hot, no, we were number 220. And then my aunt's name uh, and that's it. And then they, someone else stands, another volunteer stands and calls out every like hour. Okay, 118, so-and-so, it's your turn. There's, it's just complete chaos. There's no organization. Um, it's very like manual. It's not, no technology. So people are forced mm-hmm. to stand outside to wait their turn. And if you leave... Uh, when your number is called, called and you're not there, that's it. You're you lost your spot. So you can't. And so this is the same with children. So it's like to describe the scene. It's like mostly. Wow. <laughs> I'll wait for the sirens to pass. That's us now. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Um, so the scene, it's the refugees. It's mostly women with children. There are very few men. And anytime you would see a younger man, you know, any man who's like under 60 years old, everyone immediately questions, how did they get out? Because Ukraine is not allowing men out. So it's women, children, uh, a lot of teenagers, uh, a lot of there were children without parents, multiple children without parents and uh, very, like elderly people, a lot of elderly people who managed to escape as well. Um, so all of these people who are like a little more vulnerable are standing outside in the cold, um, waiting. And it's like, if you, and you have to wait because it could happen today or it could happen tomorrow, all just to get this like, uh, identity card. And my aunt is still there right now. And, you know, she's also not receiving social services yet. It's not, like there's no funds really coming out for the refugees as of now. It's still, like I was saying, it's individual Polish people wow. helping more than the government is. Wow. So no, so there isn't any, so, the, so no, no state structures have like stepped in to actually 
give even a little bit of money to people who have fled, you know, as like food money and all this stuff. They're, they're not getting anything? Um, no, it's a, it's a very long oh. process. After you get this Polish identification card, you have to receive something called a PESEL, which would, let's say, all of the children that are alone, they would get... Um, Like we have a friend who's a minor, who's 17 years old, completely without parents. Uh, her father passed away a year ago. Her mother is a medic, so she couldn't leave Ukraine. Uh, she has to wait again in another line outside in the cold for multiple days to receive this thing called a PESOL. And the PESOL would provide her with, I think it was like 300 Zloty, that's the Polish money, which equates to 70 US dollars a month. So it's not a lot <laughs> wow. for a no. teen girl alone. Wow. And then what they say they do is if Polish wow. citizens house Ukrainian refugees, the Polish citizens will get money, not the refugees. The Polish citizens will get money for housing Ukrainian refugees. But as of now, that system hasn't even been put in place. So, I mean, wow. okay, so let me ask you this, just so just to stop you. Then we, so if you're, if you're, if you're uh, mm -hmm. on, um, what didn't have, you know, your, your friend to stay with, mm -hmm. um, that like, what would she, where would she have, because not everyone, you know, has, a, you know, a, a, someone who can, sort of a friend of a friend who can house them, right? Where do people, where do people live? Like, so are there like shelters <laughs> being set up? With like cots and things um, like that for people, you know, yeah. um, that, that have nobody. Yeah. Or do you know? Yeah. I mean, this is what I've heard. Uh, people without anyone to go to. There's like these big stadiums in Warsaw that are set up. But it's uh, you're like in a room full of like. But it's yeah, cold. it's cold. Yeah. You're with hundreds of other people. It's not like real beds. Um, so, yeah, a lot of people are just getting stranded right now. I don't I really can't comprehend how people are surviving. A lot of people really are. It's like so this is the refugee crisis, right? Like people are going to where they have relatives. So a lot of people are going um, to Israel. That's just As we know, a lot of Ukrainians in mm -hmm. Israel and Israel has completely I know that has all its other problems so that I can't even imagine what the ripple effects of that will be. Um, but I've heard so many yes. stories, so many people like I saw them. They tell me I'm going to Israel like this is so it. it Yeah. But then you have and Israel is itself, I think, very kind of treating Ukrainian refugees not in a very good way and very suspiciously. Um, you know, so uh, it's not like it, it's not like taking them with open arms. Really, I, uh, um, Ukrainian refugees. I think at first they weren't, and then they were like, uh, if you have family relatives, it's very easy, or if you uh, make uh, or if you're Jewish, it's like now they're taking, especially yes. like. They love to take uh, younger people, you know, like any underage boys yeah. who got out of Ukraine. That's like the new military force <laughs> in Israel. So for people like that, they're yeah. taking in with God, open it's arms. Brutal. It's I mean, I, I know people like that. Um, and then uh, let's see. Yeah, I, it, like a lot of people were going to Canada because Canada obviously has a big Ukrainian population. Um Yes. Uh, Canada has done the process a little bit better. They have a process where it's uh, two weeks. Um, I'm so sorry. I'm going to. 
Okay, so it's a two-week process. Right. Don't worry about it. No yeah. fees. You, only thing you have to pay for are fingerprints and new passport photos, that type of thing, or just new photos in general for the immigration case. And uh, within two weeks, if you have a valid pr- passport, they process you. Uh, but they, and if you have relatives in Canada, uh, if you don't have a valid pr- passport, they will still process you. If you have relatives in Canada, that's what we heard. Um, yeah. What about the American side? So I'm, I, I, I'm a bit confused. So <laughs> turns out if your aunt, yeah. anyone with like a valid traveling passport and relatives in America could have an easier time coming or not no. like, uh, being a Ukrainian There's refugee. No, um, no system in place whatsoever for uh, Ukrainians to reunite with their relatives in the U.S. The only way right now um, is is to fly through Mexico and cross the southern border if you have a valid passport. Um, so there, there's multiple things. I, I'll try to break it, break it down. Um, so there's no like even expedited uh, American visas that are given to nothing. You, not, wow. Nothing like wait, but then it's like completely just empty words. It's completely empty words. It's complete wag, uh, flag waving. I, I mean we. You know, like I said, we found multiple attorneys. We spoke with one attorney in Brooklyn who we ended up uh, realizing he was going to just scam us because he didn't give us proper information. Uh, this attorney was like, mm-hmm. uh, it was horrific. And, he, and the craziest thing is that the guy is a fellow uh, Ukrainian too, trying to scam like. Oh, perfect. Yeah. yeah. Oh. You know, so he. That's so he I, oh, think I mean, there's going to be so classic. many con artists exactly. making money off this. I mean, I can only imagine how people are getting advantage, taking yeah, advantage it's of it in Warsaw. By, exactly. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's actually scary. It's, it's hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have a, a whole story about that too. But but this attorney, he was like, because uh, I was getting desperate, I was like, okay, so Biden just announced they're going to accept 100,000 Ukrainian refugees. Uh, should we start filling out the paperwork to get the ball rolling that she, my aunt is a refugee? And he was like, yeah, sure. My fee is $3,000. That doesn't include the U.S. immigration fees, which, you know, like one of the paper, one of the um, forms you have to fill out is $535. And that's just one form. There's multiple forms. Right. So, you know, immediately we took a pause. My mom and I were like, okay, we got to find a different immigration attorney. So I put out a call on social media and several uh, friends got back to me uh, and we consulted with an attorney in Manhattan who I'm not sure if she's Ukrainian or Russian background, but she's from like a law firm that's considered one of the top law firms in New York. And uh, the consult was affordable. It wasn't expensive. So she was very direct and she explained the process. She was like, no, there's no system in place, even though Biden announced that they're going to take in 100,000 Ukrainian refugees at maximum. Uh, they are just basically expanding the number of refugees they're admitting within the system that already exists, which is a terrible system because it's, it would take, let's say, for my aunt, minimum 24 months she would have to wait before they said anything, before they would look at her. And then they're doing extreme vetting and selecting. And because she's my aunt, she's not an immediate relative. She would not be considered for family reunification. Um, And because she's elderly, she's useless to American society. So there's a big possibility she would get declined. That's those are the words of a a very like no filters, straight up attorney who is very honest, you know, like not trying to scam us. Wow. Um, You know, so it's really like the system 
it's uh it's to be frank it's just bs yeah it's not they're not like oh okay welcome and and then also there's the whole like politics of it where you know they announce oh we're gonna select lgbtq people from ukraine i mean to be frank it's a different culture (laughs) like i don't every time they talk about lgbtq ukrainian military or citizens i'm like where i i'm sorry but like i just stood with flocks of refugees it's women with children Literally, woman with children. I don't. Yes. Yeah. No, it, yeah. and it's like, and it's. I guess it's to contrast. You know, the this really glacial pace mm-hmm. that the Biden yeah. administration is moving, and yeah. Congress is moving. You know, on like, you know, doing something for the refugees. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and like, you know, they passed in like a record time. Mm-hmm. I think it's almost fourteen billion dollars in military aid. You know. Um, right. If, you know, if to to basically like funnel weapons to oh, yeah. Ukraine so the war can keep going and and the thing can go on and so like I mean it's just it's incredible so there's mm-hmm. all this all this all this talk about helping Ukraine but the actual victims of this war the w- women and children are basically yeah disregarded completely <laughs> I have a question Marsh so 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 your aunt it's your mom's sister correct she's actually my great aunt Th- so but you know in Russian culture oh. or Ukrainian whatever oh my god it's uh you know we call she's like my babushka uh oh <laughs> you did it you did a chauvinism right there no you that's even sweeter because I, I you know what I thought like okay because if your mom it's like she she's a more direct yeah. connection to to your whatever great aunt yeah. like and your mom is American citizen uh, I thought there are these ways that still take time but they're perfectly legal from what I understood unless yeah. something changed and I'm wrong to kind of invite an elderly close relative to yeah to, to come well, kind of live with you and get a green card and probably Medicare eventually yeah. all stuff like that or that's but that or takes that, time that just takes time right well, what you're saying right it's not like impossible no no well the, uh, from what the attorney consulted with us it would be basically impossible because as i said her age they kind of like look at that as like uh, useless to the society she can't work here so what is she going to contribute to america and and she's not a direct relative exactly not direct yeah Yeah. they don't consider it direct but i'll tell you shania like with with that um if even if she were my mom's sister so she's technically my mom's aunt right even if she were my mom's sister, yeah. siblings are not considered immediate relatives also. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So she would have then to be I her mother, understand. basically. You she would have, have, to, would have to be case, her yeah. girl. Your mom, for some reason, brought your uncle. Well, my uncle came in a different way. He came as a refugee. He actually came as a refugee. Mm-hmm. Um, From what? From Well, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a whole different conversation. Uh, but yeah, he, okay. because there was, um, I mean, he, he uh, there was some kind of, there was some kind of, uh, Maybe there was earlier in the day there was some kind of pathway to to um, getting kind of relatives from Russia to America, but I think that ran out and he he still went. My uncle went and did an interview with the U.S. Embassy and you know in, uh, in Moscow. But this was like again, this was a long time ago, uh, um, and they for some reason gave him refugee status. So, um, um, but so it's you know it's, it was a different time, different different conditions, yeah. different political conditions. And, anyway, and so, yeah. these are all just like petty bureaucratic details. But mm-hmm. it's funny how like despite all the military aid and like this flag waving, <laughs> no, Americans doing all, nothing all, basically. Yeah. So, well, that's how we felt. We were like, this feels like the biggest slap in the face because. 
because they're providing weapons, the which yeah. frankly are just going to kill more people and create more victims. So how are yeah, they helping us? Blood, yeah. They don't. They're not actually. They yeah. don't actually want to help Ukrainians. It's uh, you know. And then there's a, like a, from not even from the government level, but people in the U.S. donating to like military to Ukrainian military. It's beyond the, my wildest imagination. It's just. Um, did you see like M- Mila Kunis, who is from Ukraine? U- Ukraine. Yeah. So she speaks, I guess, Russian or Ukrainian. Uh-huh. Doesn't matter. She and Ashton Kutcher. I mean, I I could not miss it. It's just <laughs> everywhere. Uh, I think raised together like something like thirty million, maybe more, fifty million dollars yeah. more, to give to Ukrainian military, <laughs> not refugees. I'm like, how is that even? And that's applauded. I, I, I don't no, understand. No. There's a lot of this stuff. A lot of um, a lot of they all um, raise money to give to a lot the military. Of private efforts right. to raise money for the military. It's like a big thing. Yeah, yeah. No, but it's it's like it's funny. I mean, the refugee stuff is really falling by the, you know, it's being ignored, even mm-hmm. though, again, the even though, like, you know, Biden can issue this sort of announcement that they're letting in 100,000, you know, yeah. refugees and people think, oh, wow, Biden is doing so much for look at that. It's a lot of people, you right. know, I mean, America's doing its part to alleviate the crisis here. And but like when you get down to it, and I think you, you're going to get yeah. into it a little bit more because you've, you, you've dealt with a couple of more levels yeah. of this of this of this issue um, down to like, you know, actually being in the, at the border in Tijuana. Yeah. And San Ysidro. Yes. Um, I mean, it's yeah. It's so, so there's a whole there's a whole like public relations aspect uh-huh. that's going on right now in America with like this 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 Good idea that, kind of this, right. that they're helping Ukrainians. Look at hundred thousand sounds like a lot, even though it's not actually. It's a tiny amount of you know in terms of how many like the fact that there's millions of refugees, but but even that isn't true. Yeah. So like so let's take us to the next step. So you so your grand so your your yeah. aunt you know uh, is in is in Warsaw, and so what's what's going on? So you're not getting any help anywhere, no. right? And no. So the thing is, um, <clears throat> and you know even like our lodging in Warsaw, just to give an example of how bad it is in Warsaw, how overwhelmed it is. I I couldn't like I had an Airbnb booked, um, and once that finished and I had to extend my stay there. Uh, I couldn't find a single Airbnb in Warsaw, except ones that were like $200 a night, which for Poland is extremely expensive. Um, So I had to, the hotels, like literally five-star hotels are cheaper than Airbnb right now. So that's just to give another perspective of how Polish people are profiting off of this whole situation right now. Um, not all, but you know. So they're raising the yeah. rates. Yeah. They're raising the rates. Yeah, wow. yeah, like dramatically. Wow. Um, <clears throat> so. Uh, and Airbnb is taking a cut of that. <laughs> right, wow, right. That's great. So yeah. the <laughs> next yeah. step was, you know, we started to hear on the news. It was like the first big news story of a Ukrainian woman with three children, like a mother, at the uh, Tijuana border. Uh, she waited there for three days until they eventually let her in uh due to title 42 uh she wasn't let in immediately um so we understood we heard that story as we were that story was like progressing and we understood okay there's might be a light at the end of the tunnel we bring my aunt back with us uh to through mexico uh but Again, she has no passport. So we ended up contacting, going to the Mexican embassy in Warsaw. And I have to say the Mexican embassy, from all the embassies we contacted, the Mexican embassy, even though they could not help us at the end, they were the most humane, the most polite. They were just like, they would call me outside of office hours and explain, like, we're trying. There's so many requests of Ukrainian refugees without valid passports right now who want to travel through Mexico to reunite with their families in the U.S. And we're working with 
international uh, passport laws to see if we can find a way for Ukrainians to travel without a passport, without a valid passport. Um, but, you know, that could take several months. By the time they do figure that out, uh, the Mexican border to the U.S. might be closed. The other thing that people need to understand is that, like, with the refugees, <clears throat> there are a lot of Ukrainians who have relatives in the U.S. Like, as we know, in the 70s, the 90s, up until the 90s, there was that big wave of Jewish immigrants from all of the Soviet Union coming into the U.S. So right now, a majority of the people who don't have documents, like my aunt, we are all stuck paying for our relatives to live in Warsaw because of this whole immigration system that they're not allowed to just reunite with us, which amidst this inflation, you know, obviously would take a big burden off of people if our families could just be with us and under our roofs. Um, but, you know, so it, 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 talking with attorneys, wow. even it was like, uh, so we would ask the attorney. So the best we can do is just leave my aunt here and pay for her to live here. And she was like, yes, that's what all my clients are doing right now. There's no way to bring her. Like, wow. So <clears throat> it's not just. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the cost of housing are like through the roof. Yes, in, so that's in, another in, thing. In so, uh, like I mentioned earlier, we have these friends who are also from Ukraine, from Chernigov. It's uh, my mom's friend. Her name is Natalie. Uh, and she, she crossed the border with her daughter and her daughter's best friend. So. Uh, it, it gets confusing, so I'm going to... Her daughter's name is Lisa, and her daughter's best friend is also named Lisa. Because her best friend is shorter, we just started calling her Malinkaya Lisa, which translates to small Lisa. Uh, small Lisa, uh, <laughs> that's the little girl I mentioned earlier whose father passed away a year ago, and her mother couldn't leave Ukraine because she's medic. And uh, small Lisa, she doesn't have a passport, so Natalie, she agreed to help take care of my aunt, um, but she asked us to take her daughter, Lisa, not small Lisa. She asked us to take her daughter with us to the U.S. Uh, and to sponsor her in the U.S., take care of her until we figure out a way to bring my aunt, Lisa's mom, as well as small Lisa. So small Lisa, who's without parents, I don't know you know, the condition that her mom is in, Chernigov is also completely surrounded by Russian forces. They're saying it's the next Mariupol. There's broken communication with uh, small Lisa's mom. It's really just horrific circumstances. Um, you know, my mom actually wanted to adopt small Lisa. So we said, okay, the three of them are going to stay in Poland. My aunt, Natalie, and small Lisa, because she doesn't have parents. We're going to pay for their rent their housing. They're still currently, as of now, looking for housing because, as you mentioned, Yasha, it's um, <laughs> Polish people are increasing the prices, not like double, but it's like triple. It's uh, And then they're asking wow. rent. Oh, just regular apartments, not Airbnb. Yeah, yeah. not Airbnb, wow, yeah. just regular apartments. And then they're asking for rent. Some of them ask a year ahead uh, in rent uh, money. Uh, some are asking four months. Is it because they also know some people have this kind of like, as they think, um, rich American yes. relatives or something like yes. this? They know they can get money, yes. basically. Because like... Wow, that's really... Yeah. It's really <laughs> fucked yeah. up. I mean, so work, all huh? these people are profiteering. I mean, oh. 
just as we were saying, yeah, like just how it's going to bring out all the, all, you know, mm-hmm. all the, the all the worst con men and all the, and, yep. and all the parasites. Yep. So wow, triple the rents, and this is for refugees who are basically yeah. fled with nothing. With nothing. You know? And so, I. And yeah. you know, uh, like Natalie, uh, you know, her husband is back in Ukraine, and that's another interesting story because her husband is staying in like the Diryevnya, the woods in Lvov. Uh, and then Western Ukraine, uh, maybe it's something we'll touch later, but Western Ukraine is extremely different from Eastern Ukraine. And in Western Ukraine and Lvov right now, they're making money off of their own people too. So Natalie's husband is currently paying 400 US dollars for a bed in a room with three other men. So wow. the con artistry. That's really fucked yeah. up. Yeah. Wow. It has so no talk about that Ukrainian really, solidarity, right? you know, not, against the, against no, the Russian aggressor. But it's also not aggressor. about, like, whether Ukrainian or Russian. They're like, you know, it's Kalu has no passport. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, I guess, being, a you know, trying to, like, trying to scam other people and trying to extract profit from other people, mm-hmm. it doesn't really know any kind of uh, national allegiance yeah. or uh, national boundaries, right? Exactly. <laughs> or, um, exactly. It's not, patri- yeah, it's, it's not patriotic, I exactly. guess. Um, that's fucked up. Wow, $400 just so he can live somewhere. To sleep somewhere. In West, in, in near, near, near Lvov. To, to sleep somewhere, the bathroom is outside. <laughs> Those are the conditions. In the woods, yes, basically. it's in the woods. Yeah, in the woods. Uh huh. So he's like a dacha. He lives. He's living somewhere in a, in a village yeah. or a dacha. Yes. Well, with an outhouse. Yes, exactly, exactly. Wow. And it's because he had to escape his own town, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And Cher- well, and so Chernigov. Yeah. You know, um, Chernigov is without. Uh, it's he had to escape because what happened was he brought Natalie, uh, his daughter Lisa, and small Lisa. He drove them to the border. He escorted them to the border, and because they're not letting men out, he of course had to remain. At that point, even if he wanted to return to Chernigov, he couldn't because Chernigov is surrounded right. by bridges. Every single bridge has been destroyed, and uh, Chernigov right now is without gas, water, electricity. People are like making bonfires wow. outside. Yeah, there's no. I would think people like him would be like hosted for free. You know? Yeah, it's just ridiculous. I, mean, I can't believe there isn't like I can't believe there isn't like a violent. You know? Vi- I mean, I, maybe I there is stuff. I mean, can you imagine? You know, yeah. like, also, aren't they aren't they scared of being killed at night? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't know like wow. by, by, by their own refugees yeah it's crazy I mean, well I wow. don't know I uh, I'm sure anymore. you guys have heard this term I don't know how to translate it into English but you, you know like they call the western Ukraine Zapadense it's it's they're different they're Zapadense. different Zapadense. Zapadense. yeah well, I know that just they're more polished. I they guess. are. <laughs> they consider they more are. Polished. They really are. <laughs> but I don't know what it means. Yeah, it's so different. I, well, yeah. it's uh, I, I, maybe that'll be something we'll return to later. But anyway, so I'll return to the story. So we we yeah. tell yes. Natalie like, yeah, of course we will sponsor Lisa. We'll take her across. So because right now, as we as I said, we heard from the news and we did consult with an attorney too, who said, yep, just travel. I can't legally tell you cross the Mexican border, but come travel, return to New York, and then we will. Uh, I'll represent Lisa, and we'll get the roll uh, the ball rolling on like documentation and whatnot. Um, and she also consulted us on what to expect, like what everybody is receiving right now at the border, whoever's seeking asylum. So 
we do this big voyage. Um, my aunt is with Natalie and small Lisa right now. They do have, uh, Natalie has another relative in Warsaw who's housing them temporarily until they find housing. As I said, uh, every single day we communicate about this, there's just no housing. It's just flying away quickly. So maybe they'll move to a different city in Poland, but even then they've started to look and it flies away too. So in the time for the time being, not to lose time, because my mom and I, we both have to return to America to work if we're going to pay people's rent. Right. So we we book tickets with Lisa, who's 17 years old. We are flying um, from Warsaw to Paris layover from Paris to Mexico City and from Mexico City to Tijuana and the entire voyage to Tijuana every single plane is filled with Ukrainian refugees. So from Paris to Mexico City, a third of the plane was, was uh, sorry, Ukrainian refugees and people are walking back and forth. Everyone's talking to each other, helping each other, asking, how do I fill out this form, the entry form for Mexico? How are you doing this? How are you doing that? And uh, also I skipped an important part <clears throat> If you have a Ukrainian passport, the Mexican government right now is issuing tourist visas like indiscriminately to any Ukrainian refugee who wants to travel to Mexico. They're not asking any questions. They're like, even though they understand wow, people good, are traveling in order to cross good the border. Good for them. I mean, wow. Yeah. So, so Mexico is basically the sort of the unrecognized yes. hero in all of this. Yes. You know, yeah. they, they don't, there's, they, there's no need for them to do that. Yeah. You know, they're not like... That's pretty incredible. It is. Yeah. They did seem kind because we were by chance were there in August and September. And no, like, yeah, Mexico is a great surprised. country. I mean, I, even uh, I have to say, even the Russian consulate in Mexico City was the best Russian bureaucracy interaction I've ever had. <laughs> I don't know, maybe they're a bit Mexicanized themselves. Maybe, so they're yeah. much uh, yeah. nicer. Mexico is an awesome place. Yeah. yeah, people get Americans are so so horrible for hating on on Mexico. Just it's the most racist uh, yeah. garbage. But yeah, it's yeah. a real. It's always, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, my best friends, mm-hmm. uh, two of my like closest friends are, uh, you know, Mexican, too. And one of them has been helping me right now a lot, uh, too, actually. But um, uh, yeah, so we can Ukrainian can Ukrainian refugees even settle in Mexico or Mexico doesn't issue help like that? I, I haven't looked into it, but uh, the tourist visa gives them 180 days. I will say the the feeling the vibe i felt that like you know entering mexico arriving to mexico city is the border patrol they, yeah they like to like know oh you're staying in a hotel for this amount of time and where are you they ask us where are you going after mexico city and then as soon as we tell them tijuana they just they're like okay <laughs> they nod their heads and put a stamp and we go through. <laughs> that's it so uh, that, i think they want people yeah. to exit <laughs> but also i i can't imagine a I don't know, because they have their own migrant crisis, too. So, yeah, of course. Of course. Um, yeah. But yeah, so we we stayed in Mexico City for one day just to get a, a break because the flight from Warsaw uh, via Paris to Mexico City is 20 hours long. Um, it's crazy because even on the plane, you're looking at the map and you're like, wow, we're just making a big circle around the U.S. right now. Um, because again, like, like I live on the East Coast, so eventually we would return to Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we stayed in Mexico City for a day and then from there uh, to Tijuana. So we, we, we woke up, it was like 3 a.m., got to the airport at 6 
Here's another story for you about Ukrainian refugees helping each other. We're at the airport in Mexico City, and this girl, she runs up to me, and she's like, are you Ukrainian? I'm like, yeah. Uh, she's like, can, I, can you help me? Like, uh, I'm, do you know any info about, like, what do we do when we arrive in Tijuana? How do we get to the border? This and that. And, you know, I explained to her, I'm like, I'm a U.S. citizen, but I am escorting a Ukrainian refugee, Lisa. Uh, just stick with us and we'll help you the entire way. Uh, her name is Vika. She's 28 years old. So Vika really locked out. She stayed. She stuck with us. She was even seated not far from us on the plane from Mexico City to Tijuana. And then as soon as we got out at Tijuana, there was one hiccup that was uh, kind of weird because <clears throat> we're exiting the airport. We're about to exit the airport and they're, I guess it's their customs. They're checking everyone's passports and uh, they're putting all the Ukrainians in a separate section, but still visible to everyone, like behind the lanyards and they're taking their passports away. And uh, so, you know, they're trying to separate Lisa from me. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm staying with Lisa. I'm a U.S. citizen. So they take my passport away, too, and put me with like all of the all of the other Ukrainian refugees. And I have to say there were probably 75 people, like more or less around 75 people. And everyone else is exiting the airport and kind of pausing, stopping and even taking pictures. So that that was the one negative experience I will say I did have in Mexico where it felt a little bit like a, being a zoo animal. It was a little weird. Um, <clears throat> and again, it was only like 10 minutes later, another customs officer realized she was like, oh, my God, you like they put a U.S. citizen <laughs> with uh, the Ukrainian refugees. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and she comes up to the guy who took my passport and he's like, no, 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 you have to let them out. So they assume like uh, the girl I met, Vika, is with me. And Lisa. So they let three of us out. We only had to stand there for 15 minutes. I do not know like how long the other families had to had to stand there. Like I said, it's mostly families. Um, <clears throat> so we Got we it. get let out. We take uh, there were some volunteers there uh, at the border. From my impression, they were like U.S. citizens, but Ukrainians like myself uh taking like picking up refugees on buses and bringing them to the escorting them to the border uh, just volunteers not like government officials <clears throat> we just ended up taking a cab from the airport to the border and as soon as we got to the border area we saw uh it was like about 100 ukrainian refugees standing in one area separate from like the main line that you and we did walking not cars so the ukrainian refugees they were standing separately in like one big flock from the main line that's like the walk the walking entry way in across the border um so we just go on the regular line because we're like okay we have u.s passports let's see what happens when we arrive to the border guard um and then within that time, uh, we're standing online. Another guy runs up to us. I don't know if he was Russian or Ukrainian, but he spoke perfect Russian. And he was asking us, he's like, I'm here. I'm, I'm a U.S. citizen, but I'm here picking up my girlfriend who's from Russia, uh, trying to seek asylum. Do you guys know, do I stand over there with all the Ukrainians or do I stand here because it's different circumstances since she's Russian? So Already we saw that there were Russian uh, Russians seeking asylum also. 
I've heard of those actually who crossed. Yeah. I've heard of entire families who <clears throat> ran away because they were participating in no anti-war yeah. protests, and they're kind of scared. Scared actually, what's going to yeah. you know persecution in Russia? I'll tell you so, more. Yeah, they're in the same I'll tell you boat. more. There's <clears throat> def- there's definitely there's Russian, not only Russian but Belarusians seeking asylum now too at the border. Uh, Mm. Um, so we stand on this line and as I said Vika who just kind of huddled up with us uh, who we said we would help her um, she has uh, her husband's brother lives in Oregon who would sponsor her so she's she's just stuck with us and once we hit it was maybe like I don't know, maybe it took an hour, an hour and a half to get to the border patrol, the U.S. border patrol. And it was the same thing. We're like, okay, we're U.S. citizens, but we're escorting two Ukrainian refugees with us. So they kind of allowed us to skip the line because just because of the U.S. passports. So we kind of skipped the line and we're oh, put... Oh, you got the VIP line with, with Masha. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... So you took a taxi to the border mm-hmm. and then you didn't want to have to stand in line basically because of your American citizenship. Well, we didn't... Because they didn't want to make you well, wait. Well, we stood in line, but we didn't have to stand in like the much longer line with Ukrainian refugees because there's so... They, well, oh, we understood okay. there are so many Ukrainian refugees showing up at the border now and they're processing like uh-huh. one person per hour and imagine there are a hundred people standing there. Um, and wow. yeah, and those people were standing there like 12 to 14 hours they shared with us. So they, they, you know, wow. so we, yeah, we skipped a little bit. They put us in like a separate line that was like God, a little bit smaller, um, from the like group of 100 people. And it's really messed up, I have to say, like, because, like, look, I mean, you know, your your people, just the people, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously it's kind of implied from this, and you mentioned it, but, like, you know, to fly from Europe mm-hmm. to America, the shortest distance is to go to New York or to go yeah. somewhere on the East Coast, you know, anywhere mm-hmm. on the East Coast, basically. They don't and allow so, that, what they're, yeah. they're not allowing it. They're, they're, making, they're forcing you to fly through a different country and to go to this one border mm-hmm. crossing, yep. right, uh, the, the Tijuana border crossing, which was already mm-hmm. inundated, basically, with, with people trying to get across the border. I mean, that's like the, you know, it's not just there, but mm-hmm. I mean, generally, that, that's the most militarized border in America. Yeah. I mean, it's also, just to give it a little history, it's the first part of the American-Mexico border that that where they built a, a massive militarized wall, you know? So mm-hmm. uh, Cal- it was a whole movement in California to like, you know, basically build a wall in California. And so it's like the most militarized border. Uh, and you know, it's obviously there's a lot of crossings that are happening illegal, uh, illegally through like you know through the through the ocean by boat, uh, through the desert, you know, further to the sort of the east. But like, I mean, this is this is another kind of inhumane thing. Okay, you're allowing you're expanding the quota maybe for you know allowing a hundred thousand um, you know Ukrainians to come, mm-hmm. and 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 yeah, you know I think you mentioned it, but like he's also for Ukrainians. What Biden kind of did is he uh, he is making them exempt from this Trump era rule mm-hmm. that basically allows the Title 42, yeah. right? That allows uh, the U.S. government to basically just refuse entry to anyone seeking asylum. Yeah. Right? Um, and so, but like, but they're making people go into this ridiculous cir- circuitous route, yeah. which is like adding, you know, layers and cost and huge amounts mm-hmm. of cost to to this to this journey, whereas like they could take you at JFK or LaGuardia yeah. or wherever, you know. I mean, they could make a special uh, whatever, you know, make put some tents up on the tarmac, yeah. you know. Um, like 
it's really fucked up. I mean, it's just the, the fact that they're like forcing everyone to go to the West Coast about as far away in America as you can possibly yeah. get to from Europe. You know, I mean, only if they have like force people to go to Hawaii or something, you know, maybe that'll, <laughs> you know, I mean, but you know, so it's like just, just to, just, I, I think it's yeah. important to make that distinction because they're, they're making it, you know, people who are already Way more suffer, painful than more necessary. Painful and right? more expensive, Very you know, expensive. for people who already have, have no money. And yeah. so it's like, you know, it's okay. So just, I just wanted to interject and say that because that's been one thing that's been kind of like pissing me off. Like, why do that? Mm-hmm. Why? Like, just, just put up some tents I mean, on a fucking tarmac mm-hmm. in New York City. You know, just yeah. do it. Right? I, they won't do it. I yeah. mean, and I will say, like, uh, for context, like, you know, my, and my mom and I were both traveling together escorting Lisa, and uh, you know, we're working class people. I'm an artist and a bartender. I make my money as bartending, which as you know, like, I don't have a salary. I make my money off of tips. Thank God I'm at a great place, which gave me a little extra money because they really feel for me right now. But uh, I'm living off of credit cards right now, and my mom, uh, you know, she works at like a department store. Uh, within alterations. <laughs> so it's not, uh, we're working class people and everything's been put on credit cards, this whole thing. So, um, uh, but yeah, so we get to the border, they put us in the like smaller, a smaller group of Ukrainians. And as I said, it's really like, it's so slow. They're taking maybe like four, five Ukrainians at a time. Like they call people over, so we're we're moving. Yeah, it's really glacial speeds. Um, and as I said before, when we got there, there were some men at the border. Which, as I said, every time Ukrainians see men, they're like, "How did they get out? How did they get?" You know, everyone's like, "How did they?" But um, <laughs> but uh, otherwise, it, it it is again like mostly women with children. Um, so when it came to our turn, uh, and I'm going to try to like control my voice here cause I, I'm so very, this is all very emotional right now, but, um, when it came to our turn, uh, Vika, they took, <laughs> they were like, okay. And we told Vika, just go and we'll meet you on the other side. Cause she, we were going to help Vika bring her to the San Diego airport. Cause she has family in Oregon and she's, you know, tired after, uh, three days of no sleep but travel. So, uh, then they look at Lisa and they understand she's a minor and they tell me they separate us. They tell me you, you can't accompany her. And I tell them, well, I have a notarized letter from her mother granting me permission again to cross the border with her temporary custody and to sponsor her in the U S like this is all clearly stated in the letter that's been translated from Ukrainian, Polish, and English. Um, And they're like, no, uh, because she's without any relative, we still need to separate her. And I'm like, okay, just hold on. Like, please tell me more. Like, how long will she be held? How will she be taken care of so I can translate for her? Because she's standing there while she can't, she's not fluent in in English. She can understand what's happening and she's crying. Um, And they're like, oh, no, don't worry. She's going to be taken care of better than we are. They get better food than us. Uh, Tell her, like, it could take a few hours. She might be released tonight or it could take two, uh, one or two days. Um, So they take her. This is at 1.30. At 2.30, I get a phone call from her. And that's when everything really starts to settle in, that it's not a good situation. Uh, she tells me on the phone, they've taken everything from her. 
They've taken her luggage, her documents, her cell phone, uh, her even her shoelaces. And then at the end, she tells me they even took my book away. So I, I'm just sitting here like a prisoner. And uh, my mom and I are together. So we're talking with her and we're just trying to calm her down. We're saying, OK, listen, they're just doing their job because, right, like it's a border crossing, human trafficking, sex trafficking. They have to check everything. And so we're still trying to stay positive. Um and we calm her down. A few hours later, she's allowed to call us again from their from their phones. Um, she calls us at seven thirty. This is now two days ago, Thursday. Yeah, Wednesday. So that's uh, March thirtieth. Uh, she calls again at seven thirty, <clears throat> and her voice is on the verge of te- tears. She's telling us they're treating me inhumane. I feel like a prisoner. I'm being held with twenty five other people, mothers, uh, children, and Russian and Belarusian refugees. Uh, we're held in a cell with no windows and one bathroom to share amongst all of us, and they're forced to sleep on the floor under foil blankets. Those are the those are the famous those are the famous uh, like foil blankets yeah. that were sort of uh, made the news you know went viral when Trump yeah. was president right where they're showing these people in cramped conditions living exactly. in the bo- on the border and kids being separated from their parents and right mm-hmm. minors being separated from their families yeah. uh, and living in the floor basically under these basically like these metallic you know plastic. Exactly. blankets. so that's what's happening to her right now under Biden yeah. under Biden yep yeah which. Uh, Later, I uh, now we have an attorney working with us. I later understood the, what the attorney explained. This is actually from the um, from 2003. This has been a, a process. It just came out under Trump that all of this has been happening. Yes. But, um, anyway, so <clears throat> so again, we just we we just our role is like to try to calm her down because she's terrified. She's alone. She's a child. She's still a child, 17 years old. That's not an adult. Um, but at that point we understand how serious it is. Um, and so from that moment, I immediately started reaching out. Oh, so I skipped an important part too. Sorry. It's overwhelming. A lot, a lot has happened while we were waiting on the border. There happened to be news reporters. there, totally unrelated, but there happened to be some reporters there. And we met a reporter named Christina Gonzalez, who's from Channel 11, uh, Fox LA. It's not Fox News. It's just like under Fox company. Um, and she she happened to interview me there. This is before Lisa got separated from me, uh, that this reporter interviewed me asking just like more general questions about the voyage of Ukrainian refugees. And uh, I actually talked about my aunt and it was aired on TV that same day. Um, and Christina wanted to follow up with me. So we exchanged numbers that day. And again, this is before Lisa got separated. So that same day, I immediately texted Christina to tell her what's happening. Um, and Christina is uh, someone who's been reporting on like what's been happening at the border for many years now. So she's experienced in this. And she immediately was like, OK, we're going to meet the next morning. This is yesterday March 31st, um, she interviewed me again, and once again, aired on TV uh, about how uh, Lisa was separated and also the conditions she described. So, uh, you know, again, just to recap, this is a, a 
teen girl, 17 years old, who just fled a war uh, from Chernigov, one of the worst, uh, the most like bombarded places in Ukraine, one of the most. As I said, they're considering it to be the next uh, Mariupol. Just her drive from Ukraine to the border, uh, she described it as basically like the car driving and bombs falling on the side everywhere, the entire journey up to Lvov and the border. Uh, So someone escaped the war, and now they're being held at the U.S. border in prison-like conditions. Um, The U.S. Border Patrol... And she's still there, She's still there right now. She's still there. So this is the third day that she's there. Um... What does it depend on? Like, because she's a minor, no relatives there, like checking if you're, if you and your mom are not sex traffickers. Like, how, wh- yeah. how can you prove you're not? I don't understand. I guess. Um, What's? I mean, to me, it, to me, it's uh, strange because if they were checking so closely whether we're sex traffickers or not, why haven't they contacted yeah. us once? Um, and again, it would probably be, I would imagine that they're checking mostly me because, uh, you know, they took all of Lisa's documents and one of those documents are the notarized letter, uh, granting me permission mm-hmm. to take care of Lisa. Um, so, you know, they haven't contacted me once throughout this entire thing. Mm-hmm. And yesterday, I mean, to be yeah. honest, the stress, uh, and like remorse and frankly, the guilt I feel because if I had, I known that this would have happened, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare to like, I would say, stay with your mom, you know, like I just, uh, so for me, I mm. feel a tremendous amount of responsibility and guilt. Like I can't sleep like these. I've not been sleeping yesterday. I frankly almost collapsed. I had like a headache and nausea to an extreme because I'm like, I'm talking with uh, reporters and attorney. Um, I'm just, you know, and people are, I will say like whoever I've shared this with, um, they've been very receptive and people want to help. And, you know, somebody got in touch with me yeah. who actually used to work for Department of Homeland Security. And he, he still knows people who work at the Customs Border Patrol in San Ysidro at the Tijuana border. Um, so he's been making contact and uh, I do think that they're feeling pressure, even though I, I this is just my guess at this point, because they have not they still have not contacted me. Um, but yesterday was kind of hellish because I didn't hear from Lisa at all. Not until 940 p.m. She was allowed to call me. Um, so the whole day you're just like, what is going on? What's going to happen? And then the, the attorney, we got an attorney from an organization here. Um, let me pull up the name cause my head is spinning a little bit, but he's, um, give me one moment. I'm going to pull it up right now. Uh, yeah, so he's from the Jewish Family Service of San Diego, which, uh, you know, his name is Luis Gonzalez. Uh, everybody says that they're one of the best organizations. So and he's been wonderful. Like he was on the phone with me at least four times yesterday and not for a short amount of time, like attorneys usually are like a, an extensive amount of time. And every time I text him or email him, he responds within five minutes. So uh, a genuinely amazing person. But uh, that said, the, he explained the process to me yesterday. And that's when I started to ball because I, he explained like, 
yeah, these are not shelters. They are detention centers. The Border Patrol, Customs Border Patrol call them shelters, but they're not. And um, they are bad conditions. Masha, and again, do I understand correctly? So the people who are stuck there with Lisa, they also would be like minors, right? Because adult adult Ukrainians, they allow through like your, like your other acquaintance, Vika, right? Yeah, Vika so just got all out. Kids well, there? no, I don't know exactly what's happening because when Lisa called me um, the first night that she was there, she said that she was in a room full of like... Uh, a few other minors, but otherwise women and children. And she said amongst those, there okay. were Russians and Belarusians too. Um, uh, and hmm. there is news coming out now that there are people being moved to ICE detention centers too. So um, yeah. well, like adults, it's illegal for minors to be moved to ICE detention centers. They have a different detention mm-hmm. center for minors. So right now I'm actually like, I'm stuck in this limbo according to the attorney, but then other rumors, um, you know, because I'm getting reports from like, let's say Christina Gonzalez, the reporter who's been helping and who is doing a a lot of the story. She has someone inside border patrol. So uh, a connection there who's been sharing some information. Then I've got the attorney sharing information. So right now, Lisa, either she will be released to me, or she's going to be transferred to an ORR facility. So those are detention centers for minors. Again, this is like the attorney telling me himself, they call these places shelters, but he won't, he refuses to call them shelters because they're not. Um, Got it. Yeah. So, you know, it's ORR, the Office of Refugee Resettlement. So there's basically where your miners are, are held in these in these like barracks, basically yeah. prison barracks, right? <clears throat> and then like, and then to determine what to do with them, yeah. basically. And yeah. uh, you know, my uh, the attorney he he has not been giving me the best news because I, I'm I think he's being very cautious, you know. So he's told me like yes. today, for example, he's like uh, it's extremely rare uh, for the border to release a minor. More likely, she's going to be transferred to the ORR facility. And this could be a process. He told this. These were his words. It could take weeks or it could take months. And um, somewhere God, within just... that timeline, they would do an assessment of me like, and call me to do biometrics. But because they're so overwhelmed and there are so many refugees coming from Ukraine, not just uh, Central American migrants, right, from Ukraine, uh, they're completely overwhelmed right now that no one knows how long this is going to take. And as I said, they haven't communicated with me once. Um, God. Wait, it's is like, she turning 18 soon? I mean, not that I, I know it's horrific, but look, can that help? Uh, yeah, everyone, <laughs> asks, out, yeah. everyone asks me that. Uh, her birthday is uh, yeah. January 7th, so it's... Um, it's been. It's gonna be a while. No, it's a while. You know, I it's thought, yeah. yeah. So you're just coming face to face with this really. I mean, a, a really inhumane uh, border security system. You know, quote quote unquote. That's basically people disappear into. Yeah. People get completely. You know, dis, yeah, dis, disconnected mm-hmm. or ripped apart away from people that they know, and then just disappear into this hole, and you have no way at all of yeah. speaking to anyone, getting any kind of answer. Uh, it's just. Actually, in this case, who knows, like this kind of bigger media scandals 
can yeah. help, right? Because you're talking to the well, TV yeah. crew. So I don't know that. I mean, I know it's just one. They're horrible cases, I mean, probably yeah. multiple. But like maybe Lisa will be released sooner because of that. They don't like probably people no, being nosy. They don't. They don't. <laughs> I, don't that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to be too too negative about this stuff, you know. Mm. Uh, but uh, I mean, it just really is like the Border Patrol is really like a Gestapo kind yeah. of mindset I don't know it's like it's probably the the scariest one of the scariest uh, security apparatuses in America I think because they have just so much power over yeah over anything and even like they have power they have power you know because there's like even like within I think it's a hundred mile um strip of land mm-hmm. within America it's considered like a border zone mm-hmm. and you know if you're I don't know if you because you used to live in, in yeah. LA right yeah. um you know I don't know if you've driven in like closer to the border oh, where yeah. there are these random checkpoints yeah, yeah, right where you times. just are driving and they can like demand <clears throat> to see what you have inside your car mm-hmm. and you have no right to even to to deny yeah. that you have no even con- your constitutional um constitutional privileges mm-hmm. or whatever rights uh don't um apply because it's considered the border mm-hmm. and your constitution doesn't apply on the border so it's like it's a totally almost like you know um it's above the it's above like the highest law of the land in America. It's pretty scary, mm-hmm. I'd say. I mean, so I, I I totally I'm sure this is the resolve. You know, probably hopefully sooner than later, and it'll be a good. But yeah, I totally understand why you're so freaked out because it is a very scary service to um yeah to uh to deal with. I mean, just the amount of I mean the amount of power it has over over. I over, mean, over. <laughs> the only thing I can say is that like since I've I spoken with Lisa last night, um, she sounded a lot better on the phone. It was the first time I heard her voice like not, you know, like quivering on the verge of tears. Um, except towards like the end of the conversation when they were pulling her away. Uh, but she told me on the phone, she was like, I think they're going to let me out because there was another minor here who they let out with similar situation. And she's like, I think tomorrow. Um, so that would be today. But again, uh, it's one thirty California time right now. And I, uh, I still haven't heard anything, but they could, you know, they work all the time. That's the one thing, like they don't have regular office hours. They're working nonstop. It's a 24 hour type of operation. Um, but so I also have this, like I mentioned earlier, this reporter, Christina Gonzalez, and she has some connection inside the border. And she informed me, um, that she heard as of last night that either they are going to release Lisa to me or they're going to transfer her to a facility and from that facility still release her to me. But again, you see, I'm like confused because my, the attorney says like worst case scenario, then I hear some positive uh, sort of like rumors Mm -hmm. and other people sharing me with their attorney friends have said. And, you know, so I have this hope, but at the same time, I'm like, trying to like stay level-headed because i don't want to be crushed because like yesterday i already i mean every time i do these news report things too like i was whether it's with christina or yesterday uh cbs channel 8 in san diego interviewed me it's like i break down crying and it's a little it's difficult you know it's again like i said and then i have on the other end lisa's mom and sister she has a sister who's like my age. Uh, they're like calling and texting me nonstop. And I'm, I'm, you know, it's, uh, you're stuck in the between. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's horrific. Uh, and I'm trying not to, you know, I'm not lying to them, but I'm telling, I'm not telling them everything entirely too. I mean, I did not tell them like, Oh, she's under 
tinfoil blanket. Like, how can I, because I want them to know, like, no matter what, she will be reunited with me. But this process and the way this works is extremely cruel um, and difficult. And I just, I'm not getting answers. So, you know, I'm trying not to like freak them out because they they don't have power in this. There's nothing they can do at this point. There's nothing else I can do except wait um, or, you know, continue to talk with the press and put pressure. Yeah. You know, were you thinking about starting a GoFundMe? Yeah. Oh. I was going to suggest that, you know, I mean, you, know, we, we, you should definitely do it. Yeah. And because one of the things, I mean, I know you're doing it. So the case would be like known more and more chances that she'll mm-hmm. get out soon. Like, I mean, that you're talking to the media a lot and all that. But that's, I think, um, I mean, it's not cynical, but that's how it is. I think that's what helps mm-hmm. those GoFundMe campaigns that eventually leads for you to like, you know, take care of her yeah. better. Well, just in general, you need to be, you know, you need to, you need some money so you can, um, you know, you can like, you, so you're not going to be stuck in credit card debt. Right, right. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, and, uh, for sure. Yeah, and first we of all, no, we should definitely. Off, off I wanted there. to do it. Yeah, yeah. I wanted yeah. to talk about yeah. it. Like, we should do it, and I'll and I'll help push it out 100 percent because this is yeah, you know, I mean, you. this is for thank sure so like an important thing. You know, I mean, it's not even a not even a thing. Thank yeah. you. But just, to, I mean, I know you got a lot of you know you have a lot on your plate. As soon as you have some time, thank you so just much. Set it up. Thank you. you thank know. you. I I will. It's set it up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Thank you. You know the uh, mentality of like uh, Eastern, well, like maybe I don't know if it's a Slavic thing, but we're the type of people where it's very hard for us to ask for help, you know? I don't know if you share this, but that, that's what no, I've, yeah. I've seen with I, refugees no, too. No, it's like it's like you want to you, you want to yeah. You, I know it's also not like a dignified. The, uh, or, no, yeah, but also to, yeah. like there's something kind of like self promotion yeah, yeah, yeah. is considered no matter how what it is yeah. like kind of asking for something or positive self promotion is a bit like looked down right, upon. Right. I think. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. No, no, but I mean, it shouldn't be even a, a worry. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't like you. No, you, you don't to even do have it. to like you know. You don't. You wouldn't even have to push it out. You know, I'll I'll help push you. it out for Thank you. Because yeah. yeah, no, it's important. I mean, it's mm-hmm. so 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 basically, you just so what? Uh, I mean, what are your plans? I mean, in the sense that like, so you're just waiting to hear word of what what this next step is before because you're kind of stuck in limbo, right? You're sitting yeah. there. You can go in back Southern California. Home, right? You're waiting, hoping that she's released, right? But not sure if she's going to be released at the border or she's going to be released at some ICE facility that could be like, what, in another, in oh, another yeah. state yeah, or something, Yeah, she right? could like, be, like, yeah. I mean, um, <clears throat> according to Christina, this reporter, she heard um, that if she is transferred as of last night, they said it would be uh, in, in Eastern California. But according, again, according to the attorney, what he explained to me yesterday, they have these facilities all over the country. So there are people being transferred uh, Louisiana, Arizona, New York, everywhere. So it, it could literally be anywhere. And um, but what they do say is that once everything is approved, and because I'm uh, a family friend, that you know, like the mother technically made this request that I take care of Lisa. Um, you know, it, it's apparently they would like give her a bus ticket to come to me. So I am in this limbo. I have like a flight out of LA uh, and I had the flight booked for Lisa actually out of LA, um, April 12th. We were both supposed to fly out of here. We were going to hang around here a little bit. I was going to show her LA. I mean, you know, this is a nightmare. We, We were like everything, the whole trip was so positive until, um, I mean, positive to an extent, obviously there's my aunt stuck in Poland, but, um, you know, still in these type of situations, you find something positive. And so we were going to, I was going to show her a lay and, 
uh, you know, I actually have an exhibition opening at this just happens to be at this exact time. I was going to take her to the museum with me and, and then fly back together to New York. Um, uh, so I'm not planning to change my flight. You know, if she's still going to be detained, I, I have to go back and work. This is just like, that's it. Like I've communicated with my managers at work and they all adore me and they've been supportive and uh, they've helped the best they can, but I have to go back and make money and continue fighting from New York wherever. But, you know, at the same time, I still have this hope. I'm like, like after we finish today, I'm going to drive back down there. Cause I don't even, I can't even like sit. I'm currently in Riverside. I can't even sit here. I need to like, you know, even though I'm, she's not my daughter, I I do have my motherly instinct and I want to be closer to her in case she does get released. You know, it's like, I don't know. So it's a horrible, it's a horrible, uh, it is a horrible limbo. And uh, I wish I had answers that, like this is, it, it's a nightmare. No, it's, I mean, it, you know, and I don't know, it's just, it's like, just to always drag it back to like some kind of big picture stuff. But like, um, but you know, it's like, just I don't know the the I guess the Biden administration you know has been so so e- so easily you know it, it, like pushing this mm-hmm. sort of like provocative and aggressive posture you know not just in Ukraine but all over the world you know and like and you know but as soon as something happens and people actually need help from you know uh, and are seeking <clears throat> refuge here uh, like you know there's a lot of sweet words and a lot of and a lot of and a lot of signaling and virtue signaling that's coming out you know but actually we and here you have basically you know a, a war refugee. Mm-hmm who is kind of going through her almost her worst mm-hmm. moment like after coming to America right yeah. and so it's like being completely separated from anyone who she yeah. knows and thrown into thrown into a cell you mm-hmm. know um, in a foreign country you know foreign language all this stuff so it's like you know I mean we know we know we you know we don't we know uh, that America is a pretty you know kind of is a pretty cynical and mm-hmm. hypocritical place but like just 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 I guess, I guess, I mean, I don't know to come to come just face to face with it, like in such a personal way. Must you know, it's a whole different, it's a whole different thing than just kind of knowing it in, in an abstract way. Um, yeah, I mean, bef- in a more intellectual. Before way, yeah. I uh, flew yeah. off to Warsaw, like you know, I work in Manhattan, and uh, even then, it was already feeling like, oh my god, every building is blue and yellow, and this just. And I, I already knew I would struggle with getting my aunt back to the States. And it's just such a performance. It's uh, like I said uh, earlier with the weapons on top of it, that just feels like, what? Like, uh, this isn't, there's no like, mm-hmm. there's no actual anti-war rallies. Like that just doesn't exist. It's like totally a 9-11 moment where it's like, we want like a war hungry uh I don't know. It reminds me of like yellow ribbons, and except now it's blue and yellow flags everywhere. And I'm like, there's people aren't mm-hmm. actually happy. But also I think like, cause I do have some faith. I feel like Americans in general, like maybe not to make a broad generalization, but I feel like, uh, Americans do have hearts. They're good people. And I feel like if people knew that this were happening, I want to hope this, right? That if people knew that they would be outraged. I just think it's this moment right now where people just don't even know this is happening. 
you know, there's a lot of conversation yeah. Right, yeah. about like, oh, Ukrainian refugees are white Europeans, so they're being treated uh, great. And then at the and then that it feels like a nightmare Nuts. too, because I'm like, what? This is like not no no. I'm, I'm this is actually a nightmare. They're being treated like they're like everyone yes. else is on the border yes. right now. That's yeah. one yeah. thing that's been, which is not yeah. good. Yeah, which is yeah exactly. <laughs> that's what's been illuminating. It's like no, actually, like. <laughs> The system works the same way for everyone. It really does. I mean, it's um, all across. No, and and it's actually kind of it's telling. I mean, in the sense that, just by the by the way that like the U.S. government, you know, saying yeah, yeah, we'll take Ukrainian refugees, mm-hmm. but you got to come through Mexico, yeah. you know, and you got to come through through the through the route that basically all the sort of people displaced them through Central America or South America, Mexico are taking right, and it's sort of the most the most. This sort of like this choke mm-hmm. point where where we know you know it, the conditions in, in uh, and already on the, on overloaded, the border. Hmm? yeah, already overloaded, overloaded, <laughs> and we know how horrible they are. I mean, people are separated from their families, people are kept, you know, in this sort of very arbitrary detention that that happens. I mean, and it it's also a place where. I mean, you know, they have this, you know, under Trump, they did this amazing rule, amazing thing where they used COVID to essentially yeah. as a pretense to not let anyone in. And yeah. so, and Biden is continuing that. And, and, yeah. and so, and like, and so the, maybe the only privilege that uh, Ukrainians are getting is that they're getting an exemption yeah. from this Title 42 um, uh, rule right. that allows the U.S. government to just basically, you know, just turn yeah. people around and, you know, send them, send them back across the border. And so... Mm-hmm. That's the. It seems that sounds like it's the only privilege yeah. that she's getting. Basically. Which you know, to uh, be honest, yeah. I felt like it was a little ironic because uh, as far as uh, I didn't read too in depth about Title Forty Two, but from what I understood, it has to do with the COVID vaccines, and um, that's one thing that's been really like odd about Ukraine that they really, in what seems like was a very or is a very corrupt government. There's a lot of corruption there. One thing they had very streamlined were COVID vaccinations, like. Visa, for example, they have a special app from the government where it's more organized than the U.S. government. Like we have a little like dangly piece of paper. They (laughs) actually have, um, you know, like an app with all of it on on record. So and that was at least she has that. Yeah, 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 that was a lot of refugees I met, though, like the people opened their phones and showed this app and people were vaccinated and they have and they have Western vaccines, right? Yeah, they have all Pfizer yeah, because yeah. it's not yet yeah, because they didn't have the Russian vaccine, no. right? Because they're because they're that's, that, that makes sense. That's another yeah. that's another yeah. problem that would've, you would have encountered maybe. Because yeah. I had I had this problem with my mom; she couldn't come here because of the wrong vaccination. But that's yeah. like that's nothing <laughs> comparison to refugee yeah. crisis. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, to like actually get the American vaccine in order to come to America, it's kind of incredible, you know. Uh, um, but well, I mean, I guess you know. I mean, I don't want to take any more of your time because you spent so much time, and I know that you have, you know, you're exhausted. And um, I, I mean, I'm hopeful that everything will turn yeah. out okay, and at least, at least, you know, she's at least she is not in in a mm-hmm. war zone, and so uh, she's in a different kind of <laughs> war zone, an American, you know, basically labor, prison camp on the border. But um, at least there isn't like a danger to her life, you know, and like being hit by shrapnel or being hit by stray bombs. So at least that's a, you know, that's the only consolation, I guess, that I can, that I can give. So, and I, and I hope that everything will turn out thank, thank you, okay yeah, in the sure. end. And, um, yeah, I know it's, it's kind of, yeah, no, I'm, and, but, but it, it's also important, you know, take care of yourself because you, you kind of have to be, yeah. in, you have to be active for the long haul, you yeah. know, and you have to be there for her and stuff. So it's, you got to take care of yourself and, um, not burn out. Yeah. 
Right. No, yeah. thank you so much uh, for having me on. Also, I'm like a truly big, big fan of both of you. It's um, <laughs> I just like everything you've uh, everything you report on and cover all these topics. It's uh, I've played your podcast to my mom too. It's uh, uh, very it resonates with me. You should come back. I'd love to. And we'll do like immigrant deprogramming. We should come yes. back a bit when it's a little bit, yeah, a bit better times. And uh, we definitely yeah, we'll, do, we'll do one of your immigrant deprogramming uh, episodes, especially for that. you. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, all right. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, guys.